This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and it is Tuesday morning, and we were recording from remote locations, and he is the great cousin, Sal. Sal, great to see you, man. It's great to see you, Tate. It's uh, it's fun to be here. I'm, I'm going to try to smile through this. I had a weird night last night. I had the Giants as my upset of the week on Ringer Wise. Guys, very happy about that. But I also had the Dolphins money line tied to every teaser I had. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fraud. Yeah, that was uh, that's t- a tough teaser to have. And, uh, you know, let's do a little tease here. We're going to talk about that game because the Tennessee Titans and the Miami Dolphins, that was uh, something that could break your brain if you're a football fan. It looked like the game was over. It looked like we were headed to the Miami Dolphins celebrating a win on Monday Night Football. But in the words of Chris Berman, uh, no, that's not going to happen. And in the words of Lee Corso, not so fast. And here we go here. We got to talk about this game. Uh, 15-0 run. For the Tennessee Titans, Will Levis becomes a hero. The Dolphins are now reeling. They're pointing to their offensive line. Um, they're pointing to Tyreek Hill not being healthy in this game. But Cousin Sal, what do you point to when you watch a collapse like this from the Miami Dolphins? Uh, I point to my bank balance <laughs> statement. Yeah, so uh, it doesn't look very good for me. Uh, all right, I'll point to the game. I know what you're getting at here. I don't think this is a very good team. They beat up on bad teams. Maybe they had a bad one. I, I just don't see Tua back there as being very elusive. Um, I, I I feel like he's a little gun shy back there. He is gone. He must see all these guys. First of all, four of them got hurt in the first minute, right? It was Howard. The center got hurt. Waddle and Hill. Most of them came back, but it didn't look good. They were way out of sync. Tyreek Hill was like sprinting off the field with a different injury every six plays, and it didn't help Tua, who was underthrowing everybody, didn't have a touchdown pass. I don't like this team. I think this is the kind of team that could lose by like 17 points in the playoffs. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are trying to throw out the F word when they talk about the Miami Dolphins. Of course, that is fraud. They want to call them frauds. They want to call them pretenders. Um, Their first touchdown offensively in this game comes because of a botched punt. Um, And as soon as that happened, it was a six-yard touchdown. It felt like the entire game flipped. The Miami Dolphins were going to be able to take uh, a breath of exasperation and say, we got away with one. This is the Mike Vrabel special. He's been able to win some of these games where they're a little bit of head scratchers. But for whatever reason, Will Levis and this Tennessee Titans team was able to figure it out. What did you see on that side of the football from Tennessee? Uh, Do you believe in the Will Levis-DeAndre Hopkins connection? Do we have some hope here in Tennessee? 
That is one good thing as a football fan, as a Tennessee Titans fan. I think they have their quarterback. And by the way, I tried it. I put mayonnaise in my coffee this morning. I almost vomited, but I have to try new things, right? Will Levis was the man. He stood in there. Only had that interception going into like the fourth quarter, but he really stood tall. They played a little prevent defense. I don't know how much credit I could actually give him, but for God's sake, 767 games in a row where a team was up 14 with three minutes left. They got the job done, or at least pushed it to overtime, and I am the slump buster or whatever you want to call that the other way. But Will Levis, congratulations to him and the Titans. Maybe not a great future for this year, but they could they could compete in that AFC South, that's for sure. Well, we love a silver lining here in the NFL. The silver lining for all the fans at home that are watching football. If you're a fan of Hard Knocks, this episode with the Miami Dolphins should oh. be a good one. So uh, you can tune in and watch Mike McDaniel deal with that loss and uh, figure out what the future looks like for the Miami Dolphins. The other game on Monday night, which just happened to be airing at the exact same time. So you had to kind of you know, have a YouTube multi-view situation or watch the Mannings and be able to see both games. But we got the Green Bay Packers taking on the New York Giants, and this was – the story of one man, and that one man, of course, is Tommy DeVito. Let's start there, Cousin Sal. How much is Tommy DeVito becoming a folk <laughs> hero in New York and at large in the NFL? It is unbelievable. We're all part of the tailgate experience. They showed the family in the parking lot. It was a beautiful, beautiful spread of Italian delicacies. And then it went right to the agent. The agent, this guy is tremendous. Right. He's straight out of central casting. We got Big Dom last week. And then we got this guy. What's his name? Do we have his name even? Apparently, Steven Stellato is his name, and he is, quote, the Italian stallion of sports agents. So of uh, baby, baby doll Dixon, he sees this guy, and he immediately, <laughs> his ears get red. He's upset. He's not I checked in with Baby Doll. Baby Doll said he, this guy's over the top, and that's when you know it's bad. But they show him, and he's putting the hand out and everything, and he's got his arm around him, and he's on the phone on the sideline. God knows who he's calling, but I, I don't. I, I don't know who else does he represent. I mean, this is all, is, it, is this a practical joke that the Vito family is playing on us? Because it's really funny from week to week. Yeah, it would be great if we found out that Tommy DeVito was actually a new member of the SNL cast and he has decided to play quarterback for the New York Giants as a bit, and the bit is working well. He's won three of his first four games right now in the NFL. Um, obviously a former Syracuse quarterback, so he has the New York ties, and his agent apparently is getting uh, inducted into the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame, Sal. So Because of last night? I guess so. I, I, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, apparently everybody that is celebrating the Italian heritage of this family and beyond, um, they're excited about Giants football. Do you believe Brian Dayball, Saquon Barkley, they've talked playoffs. Is there a chance that this Giants team could backdoor their way into the NFL playoffs? Is that a real thing? Well, Barkley, uh, he almost, you know, he, I'm sure all the fans were screaming about how he's overpaid when he fumbled. I mean, they had a chance to right. at least go up 24-16, and he stripped, stripped over his own feet and fumbled, and that was big, and that allowed the Packers to get the go-ahead touchdown. By the way, great catch by Heath right on the mm -hmm. other end for Love uh, driving them down the field. But, yeah, that was something else. It was, a, it was actually a sloppy game with great plays mixed in. I would say that for both the games last night. Yeah, and Heath, if you had him before the game to score a touchdown, you could get that value at plus 750. That was his mm. first touchdown of the season. So there was some value there. Also, um, a character in football that we all love, Randy Bullock. Some people have called him Fat Randy. I just call him Randy Bullock. He had a big field goal there for the New York Giants. So everyone in New mm. York is celebrating right now, Sal. So uh, my first question and my uh, next question for you is, are you yeah. ready to play my favorite game? Um, I know that you love this yeah. game. 
this is always a fun game. Course, what am I going to say? Am I going to say, Tate, we're not playing your favorite game? Of course. we got, I don't want to see you in tears here. Well, we that, that would be it. nice uh, if you decided to play my favorite game. So okay, let's do we'll it. Overreactions, underreactions. I give you a statement. It's how you tell me if it's overreaction or underreaction. Let's okay. start here. Uh, another team that's trying to backdoor their way into the playoffs or at least convince themselves that it's possible. Of course, I'm talking about the Chicago Bears. Let's start there, Sal. The Bears do not need to draft the quarterback because they have their franchise quarterback, and his name happens to be Justin Fields. Is that an overreaction? or an underreaction well you mean this year or ever because if it's ever it's an overreaction but i think you're right i think uh it's an underreaction for this year i mean he's really i'm looking at his numbers 10 touchdowns two interceptions over the last six games he's definitely made things interesting for the bears they have to think about it he's thrown no interceptions in the last three really should have beaten the lions twice but definitely beat him up didn't even give him a chance on sunday um he seems to have control and the bears have nice leverage that's all you want going into this they already won they already won the draft for not trading fields and picking bryce young so it's all gravy from here yeah, shout out to Chicago. Also, it does feel like this is the Bears team that they expected to see at the start of the year. It just happened to be a little bit later. So sometimes it takes some gelling and some meshing for things to get worked out. Next one, Sal. The NFC South should be barred from the playoffs. <laughs> An overreaction or underreaction? Uh, I'm going to say overreaction because here's what I'm thinking, Tate. I need one of these crap bag teams at, you know, whatever they'll end up, eight and nine to host the Cowboys because I really don't think my Cowboys, we'll get into it later, are going to win the NFC East. So, Next best thing for us, not having a home game, not getting a bye, go on the road to Atlanta or Tampa Bay or New Orleans. I think they could take care of business. Uh, the good news, though, for you, Tate, is it's not going to take long for the Panthers. not going to take like a decade for them to get back in the mix in that division. Yeah, the only two teams right now that don't have the the ability to talk themselves into backdooring in the playoffs are the Patriots and the Panthers. So uh, mm -hmm. they're the only two fan bases that are rational right now. And, of course, written off the season. Uh, next one, Sal. Talking about writing off the season, the Chargers fans have done this. Brandon Staley still having his job is a Christmas miracle. Is that an overreaction or an underreaction, Sal? I think it's underreaction because it's Christmas, it's Kwanzaa, it's Hanukkah. It's all yes. wrapped in one. I think right. he hit Happy the trifecta holidays. with this. Yeah. <laughs> I look back at his record. You know, he's still over 500. He's still 24 and 23. I guess he has to dump below 500 before Spano's family really considers letting him go. It really could happen after the Thursday game. Probably weren't going to get him out of there, um, you know, on a short week like they are. But listen, he's got to go. Everyone's got three chargers on their fantasy teams. I would say the fans are calling for his head, but there are none of these people. So we can't really say that, can we? Yeah, I was at the game on Sunday. It was all Broncos fans around me, Sal. And uh, uh -huh. you thought we were in Denver at this time. So uh, yeah, you, you left were, early, right? Yeah, as soon as Justin Herbert got hurt, I, uh, I turned <laughs> to my right and I said, I think it's time to leave. Uh, we had some people walking out of SoFi Stadium asking us where we're going. We said, we're going home because they're rational uh -huh. people. I am not here to watch Easton stick and Russell Wilson get another W. I've seen enough Russell Wilson wins in my life. So uh, we got out of there, Sal. So I uh, like you and said. And you said Easton stick, right? I, I worry that you merged those words together and it sounded like something Easton else. Easton stick. Okay, yeah. good. All right, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next one, Sal. Analytics have officially jumped the shark. Uh, we, are, we are told all the time that you have to go for two in certain spots. Uh, we saw the Tennessee Titans do this. It worked out in the end for them to get the win. But do we think that analytics have officially jumped the shark and we're actually too smart and so smart, in fact, that we are that we are dumb at this point? Well, I have another take here. And, yes, it did work for the Titans, but it didn't work for the Jaguars, who when they went down 14, they scored a touchdown and went for two. So I, I think, honestly, at best, it's 50%. But we're constantly being reminded, analytics say this is the right call. It's like, 
what? I've never seen this before. How could there be as much of a sample size to decide? But I think it's all nonsense. And I think the nerds are getting the last laugh. This is something they yeah. invented. This is not even a real thing. It's like uh, it's like crypto and three card Monty all wrapped mm. into one just to drive us crazy. And they are just laughing at us behind closed doors. And I've decided I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not going to play into their hands. Yeah, I do feel like big analytics is is a lot like the Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? They're behind Ooh. the curtain. There is a man behind the curtain. And uh, as soon as we look behind there, we figure out it's just some nerd who is uh, crunching numbers on their calculator. So leave us alone. Let us watch football and let That's us decide right. if we want to go for it on fourth down or not. Um, last one, Sal. Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid should feel embarrassed about their postgame comments, overreaction or underreaction. Um, I would say it's an underreaction, although Andy Reid uh, walked it back a little bit. I think after seeing the, the replay of how freaking offsides Kadarius Tony was, I mean, it wasn't four inches. It was like a yard and a half. They should be embarrassed, but really Patrick Mahomes should be embarrassed. I've never really seen this before coming off, except in a movie maybe, coming off the field, Josh Allen wants to give him a hug after the game, hard fought battle, and he's like, he says to Allen, he actually says, in the Kermit voice, like, eh, that's the worst. What's the worst play I've ever seen? That's the worst call. It's like easy. Uh, what, what's what's Allen supposed to say? Like, uh, thanks, man. Great game to you too. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, you've been the best. You know what the worst call is ever? The week before when they called the uh, out of bounds late hit and you had two feet in the green. So let's go. Let's not get crazy here. We see it both ways. Kadarius Tony was way offsides. Give it a rest. I think Taylor's gotten everyone crazy on that. Kansas yeah, City Ta- Taylor Swift is driving us all insane. And a lot of people yeah. are pointing out that since Travis Kelsey went to Argentina to her concert, the Chiefs are one and three. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some there's some rumors swirling right now about if a curse is brewing. I also wanted to point out that Pat Mahomes said that calling the Kadarius Tony offsides actually hurt Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career. It took away one of his <laughs> fame highlights. Are, okay. are we, do we think that's an overreaction or underreaction? We actually have hurt Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame uh, career highlight package. Uh, do, you, uh, do you buy into that? As Patrick Mahomes' brother infiltrated his body. I, honestly, I mean, this is more nonsense that I didn't even know of. Come on, Pat, get it together. Come on, Pat. We like you. Uh, yeah. The things we like. We like going up to the Riverboat captain oh. and asking what his question is this week. Let's do some prop culture. This is a good one. Talking about worst calls. I ask you this, Sal. What's the worst call of 2023? Here are the odds. We got Brittany's Instagram dance with the knives at plus mm. 150 as the favorite. We got Elon Musk changing Twitter's name to X at 10 to 1. We got the Clippers signing James Harden at 25 to 1. We got Chiefs Bills offsides that we saw in this game, 151. Or you can get the field at even odds. What say you, cousin Sal? Mm. Well, I hate to bring the party down, Tate, but the worst call of 2023 for me was uh, an actual phone call. My aunt called and informed me that our grandfather had passed away. He had, oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah, he hit his head on the, on the kitchen, and, and that was it. It was like a real surprise to everyone, and um, he was beloved and a uh, great, great guy. And so that, that is actually the uh, worst call. That is a, a very heartfelt and real answer. That would be the worst call. And I think that you I'm get just to- kidding. He died in 1999. You should have seen your face. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a biscuit. <laughs> I was like, man, that's the worst call you could have ever got. No, uh, I'll say Elon Musk changing Twitter to X. That's fine. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. You get the odds there at 10 to one. There you go. <laughs> uh, we can agree with that. Uh, if you're watching this right now and you're on the app known as X, we all know that this is dumb and we should all be on Twitter. So uh, that was great. You got my, you pulled my heartstrings there. Yeah. You got my face flushed and everything. <laughs> Do you want to throw it a commercial? Now would be a good time if you I want. Think, I think I need to go take a break right now. Maybe get some water. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do some line look ahead.
ads. We'll be right back. There you go. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Still here with Cousin Sal, and we do this every week. Let's do some line look ahead. Sal, are you ready? Are you excited for week 15? I'm re- is it week 15 already? I don't believe it. I'll take your word for it, but let's do it. I think what so. you got? I mean, who knows? It's getting up to the point where I'm not sure I can count up all the weeks that we've had uh, <laughs> pass by. But let's start here with the Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Both these teams looked abysmal this past weekend. Raiders are minus three in this game. Who do you like in this game, Sal? Well, initially when I guessed it, I had the Raiders minus two, and I just don't think you could give Easton Stick this many points on the road. I mean, people have done, they've done this before. You think Fandle would learn their lesson. Right. Taking a number against Easton Stick, it doesn't, and now listen, this is a, this is terrible. This is a bad game. This is an Al Michaels retirement game. I feel Mm -hmm. like there's been six of these this year, but uh, if I have to, have to, have to pick, I think I would go Raiders. Yeah, and Easton Stick in this game. This is his first NFL start, so there's something there. Also, we got Justin Herbert going to a hand specialist today, mm. so it's expected that he will not be playing in this game, but something could change. But right now, I think you're right about betting on the Raiders when it goes to Easton Stick conversation. Let's track to the future here, Sal, and let's look at something that is interesting in this game. This is the most regular season sacks. We got Khalil Mack right now at plus 280, and we got Max Crosby, who's been sort of a sensation a media sensation this year at plus 700. Do you take Khalil Mack there or do you go for the value with someone like Max Crosby? Man, I love what both these players have been doing, Tate. And I think Mack uh, has the lead right now in sacks. He has 15, Crosby has 13 and a half, but I'm going to take the bigger number here. Even though he has a sack and a half to make up, plus 700 is to beat uh, tough to beat at this point. Max Crosby, first of all, he doesn't sit. I don't know. He could be missing a, an arm and a leg and a testicle, and I think he's still out there on Sundays. Um, Crosby, one and a half behind, like I said, but he has a three-game sack streak. He's got four in those three games. Khalil Mack has six in the last four, but he went sackless last game. I think it might come down to the last game of the year. You know what it comes down to? Max Crosby gets to play against Easton Stick, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Khalil Mack doesn't because they're teammates. So I'm yeah. going to go Crosby in the number. I think that's a good pick, and I like the value there at plus 700. And like I said, Max Crosby, he's a very likable guy. He, he's done some hilarious interviews this year. I mean, he was smoking on TV at one point point with local news so uh you know if there's anything i'm just gonna go for the character here so i'll go with crosby let's get to the next game sal we got the minnesota vikings the nick mullins led minnesota vikings taking on the cincinnati Bengals. Bengals in this one minus three and a half with jake browning under center who do you like in this game and my god what a world we live in where we're watching nick mullins take on jake browning 
I don't know how you explain to your loved ones that you can't hang out with the family because you have to watch Mullins versus Browning. And you're like, no, 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 he was, Browning was good. Didn't you see last Monday against the Jaguars? And then your, your wife is giving you the stink eye. It's not, it's not good. But I thought this would be uh, four. It's three and a half. I, I just, Mullins, God bless him in there. You know, we loved Dobbs a few weeks ago. And then it's like, no, we can't get him out of there fast enough. Justin Jefferson's a big, big cog in this game. If he's coming back, it looks like he's trending to play. Even so, I think I'm going with the favorite Bengals here. This could be the big story. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting story. You mentioned Justin Jefferson. He went to the hospital, but there are positive reports coming out. Let's track to the future, just talking about the health of both these teams and what it looks like as we forecast. Better bet to go over eight and a half wins. You can get the Minnesota Vikings at a plus number here at plus 116, or you can take Cincinnati at minus 150. Who do you like here, the team to go over eight and a half wins and get to nine wins? Interesting. It's hard to believe that one of these teams, they're expecting uh, to finish over 500, but I do like, I'm going to reiterate what I saw out of Jake Browning, and you're essentially taking, saying, who are you going to take in this game? If the Bengals are minus 150 to win this game, they'll be that much closer. Uh, I'm going Jake Browning. Uh, I trust him. I like the look. I like Burrow's worked with him. Obviously, he gave him his suite. I'm not sure that how, um, how, how, you know, uh, you know, I'm not sure how uh, uh, generous that is in general, because his family's not going to the game, right, Tate? They're not. I wouldn't think... like, my family's not going to see you play. Here's the suite. But by the way, didn't your girlfriend used to date Jake Browning or something? I forget. No, 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 nothing like that. But I mean, she does have some Washington State ties. You know what I mean? The Washington oh, okay. State Cougs, right. the Washington Huskies. There's some beef there. I think there's some known entities between the two, but I hope not. I hope that's not the case. I don't want to lose her to the suite. I don't want to lose her to Joe Burrow's suite, so that would be good. <laughs> We'll know if you're looking up Sunday and you see her in the suite, then, then uh, there might be trouble. Yeah, that would be tough. Uh, but shout out to Jake Browning. He's playing some good football right now. I can't be that upset. Let's keep it going. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Colts minus two and a half in this game. Uh, the Steelers are very hard to understand and unpack. Mitch Trubisky back under center for Pittsburgh. Who do you like in this game, Sal? Well, I like the Steelers giving one when I thought about this Sunday night. But as it turns out, like you said, the Colts are laying two and a half. And this really is a loser leaves town match. The Steelers probably should have left NFL town after they lost to the Patriots. Nobody should be losing to the Patriots at this point. But I, I don't, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to call it just yet, Tate. Your guy Trubisky, he really a lot to be desired there. That fourth and two pass that he threw, that rainbow shot that didn't have a prayer. I didn't even have to watch to see it drop. I knew it wasn't good. So the Steelers are in a little bit of trouble here. I like that he went for the home run. A lot of guys want to go for base hit Sal, but Mitch yeah. Trubisky says, I'm going home, um, literally, and he's going to go home with an L. And I know, uh, but he was using a wiffle bat. <laughs> I, mean, I like the home run too, but he's not. All right, go ahead. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Let's track to the future here. To make the playoffs, we get the Steelers, yes, plus 210, no, minus 265. The Colts are yes, plus 118, no, minus 144. If you had to bet on one of these teams, Sal, to make the playoffs, is it the Steelers or the Colts right now? I think I'm going to pass on both because I have options for no, right? I mean, you would think yeah, with all the seven and sixes. Never. Yeah, all the seven and sixes bundled up there, jumbled up. Um, you might want to take the big number, which is what, plus 210? Is that what you said for the Steelers? But mm -hmm. no, I'm staying away. I think I'm going to take the minus 144 for the Colts to not make the playoffs because I think I get two bites of the apple there. If they lose this game, they're in trouble. And also week 18 against the Texans, which by the way, they could flex that. Can you imagine them flexing that to the Sunday night game? Minshew against Stroud. Nobody ever would have thought that would, that would be an important game for both teams. So I'm going to say no at the minus 144. 
Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, also, Gardner Minshew, thoughts and prayers. I've never seen someone take some of the hits that this guy has, and he continues to get under center. Uh, he wobbles back there and continues to play football. So, uh, again, shout out to Gardner Minshew. Tough kid. Um, let's keep it going, uh, Sal. Let's talk about your Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys going up to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Bills minus two and a half in this game. Um, a lot of people feeling better about the Bills after their performance against the Kansas City Chiefs. How do you feel about Dallas going up there and trying to cover against Buffalo? Yeah, it was way off on this one, too. I, you know, I figured Dallas gets a lot of love from the casual better. I figured they'd be a one-point favorite. Now you're telling me the Bills are two and a half. Doesn't make sense. Kind of the same thing I thought with Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. But um, I'll tell you one thing. Fandle is great at figuring out which very good team is going to let down. They had a very small number with the Chiefs against the Bills. They're like, oh, my God, I get the Chiefs to win by a field goal and win. No, that didn't happen. They had the Eagles getting a lot of points from the 49ers. 49ers were on the road and Dallas when Dallas was home and they figured out they would let down both of those. So it's amazing that the bigger games are figured out for you by Fandle. We just don't trust anyone anymore because we're so beaten down. I'm excited about this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game and a lot of conversations to come out of this game. Let's track to the future here and look at most passing touchdowns on the season. Right now, you can get Dak Prescott there at plus 125, or you could go for the higher, more valuable number there with Josh Allen at plus 600. If you had to put your money down, Sal, which one do you think will end up with the most passing touchdowns this season? Well, I love Dak. Dakota is just doing a phenomenal job this year. But uh, let him win the MVP. He deserves it. But for this specific category, I know he has a three-touchdown lead on Josh Allen. But get six to one, that's pretty good. He has to trust Gabe Davis, though, more a little bit. I mean, Gabe Davis had a big, fat zero on Sunday. And I think he has a little PTSD from throwing to him in Philadelphia. He was all turned around, didn't know how to catch it. He was open a couple times the other day against the Chiefs. But the big news is... uh, I think he's going to be able to play week 18 Buffalo. So that could make up that three touchdown gap between him and Dak, who might not need that week 18 because I see them as a five seed Tate. I'm sorry. I think I'm apologizing to myself. I'm the one who roots for the Cowboys. So I think the number at plus uh, 600 is good. For Allen. I think it's a good number. And like you said, there might be a world in which Dak Prescott can take a game off, rest mm-hmm. up, and get ready for the playoffs. But Josh Allen and the Buffalo Mills might be battling. Is there any sort of um, – I've seen a lot of conversation today about how the Buffaloes, Buffalo Bills have kind of galvanized together. Are we believing in the idea that somehow like the nobody believes in us conversation about this team is actually going to bring them back into being a contender? Do we think of them still as a contender? Or are we just uh, you know kind of idly talking about things as we get ready for the playoff run? Yeah, I don't think there's any team that's definitely going to beat them, right? If they go into uh, the Chiefs' backyard, right, and they uh, they go into Philadelphia and play well. So they're going to be right there in the fourth quarter every game. It's just a matter if they hold leads. And if guys who are underachieving like Stephon Diggs could step up, then I think they're going to win some of these games with ease. Yeah, let's talk about some other top teams in the AFC. In fact, let's look at the number one seed there, the Baltimore Ravens. They're taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars getting three and a half points in this game, plus three and a half. Who do you like here, Seth? Do you think Jacksonville can cover that number at home? I thought this would be only two, and it's uh, it's three and a half. I, I don't want to give up on Jacksonville just yet. It's remarkable Trevor Lawrence came back with this high ankle. High ankle sprain is nothing. It's, I think it's sort of like COVID where people blow it off in two days, whereas you were down seven to 10 days back uh, uh, three or four years ago. But uh, yeah, I, I think he bounces back a little bit. I would take Jacksonville because Baltimore has been a very fortunate team. You saw how they won against the Rams on Sunday. I don't, th- I don't think they're clicking, and I'm about to contradict myself with your next question, but I would take the points here. 
Yeah, I like the points there as well. And also, you know, we saw Trevor Lawrence go down on Monday Night Football. We thought it was going to be a serious injury, but we did have some optimism about him walking around after the injury. And turns out he is okay. He's uh, struggled a little bit with the long ball since he came back, but that's something he can figure out. Let's track to the future here. Looking at AFC one seed, we got the Ravens as the favorite uh, favorites at plus 110. We got Miami plus 130. The Chiefs at plus 600. Jacksonville right there at plus 3,000. Um, is it worth taking a bet and a shot on the defending Super Bowl champions there, Sal, at plus 600? It might be. They might just get it together. You know how they turn the switch, and that's it. They're the Chiefs uh, once again. So maybe all this crybabing about a call that was definitely made the right way, maybe it works in their favor. And I hate to take the short number, but the Ravens seem to be super lucky. It, they're benefiting from it, and they may just keep rolling. Remember, during the bye, they... Uh, they distance themselves from the Jaguars. They distance themselves from the Chiefs. They distance themselves from their two division rivals, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And they, and like I said, they win in overtime. There were three blocks in the back on that run back for a touchdown. And it's still, they survive all of it. But there could be a bunch of 12 and 5 tape. And it comes down to New Year's Eve, really. Ravens home for the Dolphins. You'll be too drunk to watch it. I'll tell you and nephew Kyle about it the next day. Yeah, appreciate that. We need someone to break it down for us, and uh, that's good to know that we're going to have our holiday covered. I do think that is a fascinating number for the Chiefs, but uh, personally, after that response from Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, I would love to see them have a road playoff game. So uh, Mm -hmm. if the Ravens or the Dolphins can handle business, I think that would be good for football, just so everybody in America could see what they they do when the officials don't give them the home calls that we see every year in the playoffs. But that's another conversation for a different day. Let's keep it going, Sal. we got the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Seattle Seahawks. That is going to be a a loud game in Lumen Field. Seahawks plus three and a half points in this one. Who do you like here? Did the Eagles get it together and get a win on the road? Well, it's weird because I thought it would be four and now it's three and a half, but I think I'm going to take Seattle here. And a lot of it depends on Drew Locke. I don't trust Drew Locke as much as I do a, you know, 80% healthy Geno Smith. And, you know, kitchen sink game for Seattle. Philadelphia can't really get stops. They've had trouble getting stops on defense. Not many people are talking about how their defense has let up in the last few weeks. So I think I would take the points right now. Yeah, I like that as well. Let's track to the future. Looking at NFC East champion, even though they have the same record, they're both 10-3, and and we just watched your Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, demolish the Philadelphia Eagles, to be honest. Um, The Eagles are still the favorite at minus 320, the Cowboys at plus 240. Is there any chance, is there any hope, is there any belief that the Cowboys could, could end up winning the NFC East in the end? Yeah, there's a chance, there's a hope and a belief, Tate. What are you talking about? Didn't you see last night? Come on. It just seems like everybody's acting like it's not possible, Sal. I just want to give, I just want to have some, you know, a little bit of inkling of hope. Well, FanDuel is acting like uh, it's uh, near impossible at minus 320. The Cowboys, I think, were plus 320 before the game and they handled them. I mean, that was not that. Our our kicker can make like a 130 yard field goal. I don't know what you could expect more from a kicker. Stefan Gilmore stepped up, he's been great in coverage. Uh, You know, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, what, what can you say? It's been six weeks of the same, um, you know, everybody on the same page for this Cowboys team. But the Eagles, I think, you know, even though I took the Seahawks plus the points here, those last three games are still cake. It's too easy for the Eagles right there. And I'm not even sure the Cowboys get by the Bills. So Eagles go against the Giants twice in Arizona to end it. So they're going to win this division. Yeah, Tommy DeVito, though, uh, that home cooking from his parents. I don't know. Mm. He might be able to pull off a couple of upsets a la Eli Manning. So we'll see what happens there. Sal, one last thing. We call this the Tate debate. I have a question for you. Will the Bengals win a playoff game? You can get that number at yes at plus 1,500 right now. Do you believe in Jake Browning and Cincinnati that they can actually go in and win a playoff game? 
that's a good number because they're probably around three to one to make the playoffs. They'll probably be around three to one to upset the seven seed, uh, sorry, the two seed or the three seed, whoever they're playing. These Tate debates are tough. I think we should get Chris Christie involved or yeah. something. Um, I, I like Browning. I'm going to go for it. I, 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 I take a, I take a flyer on that. Maybe they can go into Kansas city and beat this, uh, rattle chiefs team in three weeks. That'd be fun, right? 15 and one, give it to me. That would be great. We love to see that. And Cincinnati has kind of had Kansas City's number a little bit there in the playoffs. And Jake Browning uh, having the backup quarterback do it to Pat Mahomes. That would be a juicy storyline to say the least, Sal. Um, where can we find all your amazing work? We got Cousin Sal's winning weekend on Friday, then Ringer Wise Guys on Sunday. Is that where we should all go watch you? Because Yeah, uh, I'll go watch it right here on FanDuel TV and Against All Odds on the Ringer Podcast Network, powered by Spotify. Oh, gosh. I love when things are powered by Spotify. Cousin Sal, <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show, and we'll see you next week. See you, buddy. back to through the ringer we are here you've seen him before you know him on ringer wise guys you know him from the ringer gambling show raheem palmer raheem how's it going man life is good i can't complain the cowboys did their thing yesterday my bets are winning so hoping to keep this thing rolling i can keep making money and the cowboys go to the super bowl yeah, I, uh, I'm happy about your Cowboys. I'm happy for you. We love W's here on the show. Let's talk about those Cowboys because they sit at 10-3, and 3, same as the Philadelphia Eagles, both at 10-3. and 3. Um, this Is this the year, Raheem, that the Cowboys finally get over the hump and they get to the Super Bowl and they kind of make Jerry a happy man? We know Jerry's been waiting on this for a long time. Do you finally believe? So I'm trying not to get too excited, but when you look at this Cowboys team, they're 10-3 and 3 with the league best. 188-point differential. That's higher than the 49ers. That's higher than the Dolphins. And the Dolphins won a game by 50. That's higher than the Ravens. That's higher than the, the Chiefs and the Bills. Meanwhile, you look at our divisional foe in the Eagles. They're 10-3, and three, but they have a point differential of plus 21. And they have the Pythagorean expectation of a team that just won seven games. So it's clear that we're one of the best teams in the NFC. The only team we really have to worry about is the Green Bay Packers. Now, I'm trying not to get too excited because McCarthy and Dak together, they still haven't won the big game. But if there's any year they can do it, it's this year. Yeah, in the past five weeks, Dak Prescott has looked like an elite quarterback. There's always been kind of that knock on Dak where he's kind of a tier below those elite quarterbacks. Obviously, um, that's been a conversation point for a lot of people when they try to point out the Achilles heel of the Cowboys in general. Um, do you like Dak for most passing yards this year? Right now, he's at plus 350. Uh, or do you like him better to have the most passing touchdowns? You can get that number at plus 125. Or do you like him to have both, Raheem? How do you feel about those two options there with Dak? Okay, so this is very interesting because Dak leads the league in touchdown passes with 28. Josh Allen is second with 25. But one thing that you have to recognize is that they have the Bills, they have the Dolphins, they have the Lions, they have the Commanders coming up. And we're not sure if they're going to be playing for the division, they're going to be playing for the number one seed. The Cowboys could be locked in and positioning by week 18, and they might have to debt bench Dak Prescott so playing this prop at plus 125 you're not really getting any value considering that he is in the lead right now and he might not play week 18 so I really don't like that one for most passing yards at plus 350 he is third behind CJ Stroud and Brock Purdy but you you're facing the same dilemma there as well so 
I'm probably would stay off of both of these, but if I had to play one of them, it would be the most passing yards just because that's at 350 and the touchdowns are at plus 125. Yeah, do you miss Kellen Moore? That's my last question about the Cowboys. I know there was a lot of conversation. He goes to the Chargers. He was, you know, this offensive mastermind. The Cowboys were going to miss him, yada, yada, yada. Do you think the, the offense, the Cowboys offense has missed him at all, if anything? I don't think the Cowboys offense has missed Kellen Moore at all, but I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of do miss Zeke. Because it feels like we don't have that physical run presence. And that the run game has been better as of late. But Pollard is not the guy that you're going to give 20 to 25 touches to. So I do kind of miss Zeke. Yeah, Zeke was the thunder and Pollard was the lightning. You're missing thunder right now in that backfield for the Cowboys. Let's talk about a pick this week that you were hot on the trail and you picked it up. You you picked up the scent there. The Bears uh, defeat the Lions 28-13. to A lot of people thought the Lions would go and run away with this game, a divisional game. What did you see from the Bears and why did you like that number this weekend? So obviously you have the issue with the Detroit Lions and their defense. They're really, really struggling right now. You're talking about a team which is, you know, 20th in defensive success rate right now. They can't stop a nosebleed. And then obviously you have the issues with Jared Goff playing in the cold. But when you look at this Bears team right now, Justin Fields and, you know, in our group chat, Bill said it, but Justin Fields is, is almost making me a believer. You know, there was a lot of talk about Caleb Williams coming out and the Bears would draft him. But the way Justin Fields is playing right now, you almost want to just stick with him since week four. He's the sixth best quarterback in EPA for play, fourth best in completion over expectation. And the Bears are 5-0 and against the spread in the last five games in which Justin Fields has started and finished. You look at his last 17 starts, 3,000 four passing yards, 25 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and 1,237 rushing yards, including eight touchdowns. So this is a guy who is finally starting to put it together, and that Bears coaching staff really isn't that great. Like, I'm not a big fan of Everflus at all. So if you get a competent coaching staff with Justin Fields, the sky's the limit. Yeah, you're talking about the Bears and how competent they look right now. If we look at the playoff odds to make the playoffs for the Bears as plus 1,300, are we crazy to buy into the idea that the Chicago Bears could be in the playoffs? Is that is that possible? Is that a real life that we could actually exist in? Yeah, that's not a real life that's, that we're ever <laughs> going to exist in at all. And I, I know they're playing better, but they're the 12th seed in the NFC right now, and they're 5-8. and eight. And I think the biggest thing that you want to look at when you're trying to project these futures is you want to look at the schedule. They have a probably a 60% chance of winning the game against the Cardinals, 54 against the, the Falcons, and about a 28% chance against the Packers. If you're just looking at market ratings and, and power ratings and you know models and things like that. So you you add all those add all those together. And it doesn't give them a clear shot at making the postseason. There's just too many teams ahead of them. And they got off to a slow start. So they won't be making it into the postseason, but they are playing for pride and you're seeing great things going forward. Yeah, sometimes when you play with pride, things uh, good things happen. Let's look at the NFC North winner right now. The Lions are still the heavy favorites at minus 650. And then you got the Vikings at plus 750 and the Packers looming at plus 1100. Is there any sort of hope in buying in some value or do we think the Lions will handle business and win this division? So this one is tough for me because obviously the Lions, they did get off to a hot start. I did play like a ton of futures on the Packers to start the year. Like I love the Packers. I played them over on the win total. I played them to make the playoffs. I, I played them to win the division. But this is just this is just so tough for me just because of the hot start that the Lions got off on. So their defense is absolutely falling apart right now. 
I don't know if the Packers are going to be able to catch them. I don't expect the Vikings to be able to catch them at all. But one thing I will say about this Vikings team is that Brian Flores has them playing some tremendous defense. You're fifth in EPA per play right now, but offensively, they leave a lot to be desired. I just think that the, the Lions overall, they got off to a fast start, and those other teams won't be able to catch them. Yeah, they are on schedule, and uh, the Vikings are a team that love to blitz. Uh, shout out to Brian Flores. I feel like they blitz on basically every every single play that I watch. Also, Matt LaFleur undefeated in December. That's something to keep an eye on as well. I think a lot of people are not talking about him being Mr. December. The other game that we have to talk about, Raheem, this was the big topic of conversation. Obviously, I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's always drama when these two teams meet, and there was a lot of dramatics in this game. Pat Mahomes upset, throwing the helmet, um, a controversial off sides call i saw on twitter you pointed out that it would be great if the officials had to do a post-game press conference like the players and the coaches do um let's talk about that a little bit because what would the officials be asking what would that look like because i think that's a great idea there needs to be accountability on every side if the players and the coaches have to be in there and get get asked the hard questions why not the officials as well yeah, I would love to see that happen. I mean, I would love to see it happen even more in the NBA because you actually have actual officials beefing with the players. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows about Tony Brothers and Nikola Jokic. Everybody knows about Chris Paul and Scott Foster. But as far as the NFL, like, I do think officials need to be held accountable for some of these calls. Now, this one in particular was the right call. And right. it makes you really lose respect for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, considering how many calls have gone their way during the last five, six years. This was the right call. So I, I applaud the officials for getting it right here. Yeah, I saw Kadarius Tony. Uh, there was a compilation clip of him lining up throughout the game. He basically lined up offsides the entire game um, and was never checking with the official. But this is something that Andy Reid, if you know about Andy Reid, he's trying to get the little slight advantages on the offensive side of the football, just like how they line up the offensive line. Their tackle will be like a step back. So there's things that you can't call every single time, and this is just the one time they happen to call something that's been happening the whole game. So there was a lot of conversation about that. I do have um, some odds in front of me. Bill's plus 118 to make the playoffs. Do you think after this game, are you convinced that the Bills will be in the playoffs? And do you buy them as a team that should make the playoffs? Well, I'm going to give you a preview. Like there's a lot of sharp money on the Buffalo Bills this week against the Dallas Cowboys. I mm -hmm. love that play. I just think this is, this, is the, this is the must win spot for the Buffalo Bills. But you're basically asking this Bills team to win four straight games, five straight games. So for me, I don't like the plus 118 to for them to make the postseason. I think if you're gonna go, you're gonna you gotta go all the way. You can get the Bills right now at 22 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Wow. That's the way to play it. And obviously, you're still kind of late to the party because last week you could have got this at 50 to 1. So <laughs> I like that. you're a little late to the party, but this is still good value. Like as opposed to taking them to to, to make the postseason, playing to win the Super Bowl, playing to win the AFC. Like I said before, I read out the point differentials. Like the Bills have one of the best point, point differentials in the league. They're only behind the Dolphins, the 49ers, and the Cowboys, and they've had some bad luck this year. They're like the antithesis of the Philadelphia Eagles or the Minnesota Vikings from last year. So they've had some bad luck. I think that luck will reverse course, get them into the postseason, and then you'll see these Super Bowl odds go down to about 10, 15 mm. to 1 or so. Yeah, I like that, Raheem. Go big or go home. Play the big number there. Get some value on the Buffalo Bills. I like that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little NBA and contenders for the NBA Finals.
Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Still here with Raheem Palmer, and he is getting us sharp and up to speed on what's happening in the NFL world. Now let's talk basketball. I know that you don't have this outlet very much. Cousin Sal's always getting at you, saying keep it on football. But today we're going to talk a little NBA with you, Raheem. Let's talk Lakers because they win the IST, a.k.a. the in-season tournament. And um, a lot of people are giving flowers to Anthony Davis and this team right now. How do we feel? Did our perception change of this Lakers team and the ceiling of this team this season based on the in-season tournament? Well, I think a lot of people felt like this was a team that was built for postseason play just because they're so big and you have a healthy LeBron James. We know LeBron James was not healthy going into the postseason last year, but when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and a a big roster and guys who can just rebound and, and play defense, you're always going to be a contender. This is a team that's seventh in defensive rating this year. And we know LeBron James can slow the pace of the game down in the postseason and make it a possession game. And that's trip. That's typically where they dominate. Now I do have a couple of concerns going into the postseason. This is still a team that they don't shoot the three ball very well. And this is an older team with, you know, two guys who just like LeBron James is he's doing things that we never done in his 20th season. So I, I like the Lakers, but I'm not that I'm not that crazy about him. Yeah, plus 1,800 to win the NBA title right now if you take the Lakers. So there is some value there. Um, I did want to ask quickly, we'll talk about the Nuggets here in a second. What do you think about the celebration? Are you worried that it was too much celebrating because they had the goggles, they had the champagne, they got medals as if they won the gold medal in the Olympics, they got a championship trophy, LeBron got an MVP trophy. I mean, there was a whole lot of accolades that were giving out. And the last time that I saw that happen, the Lakers was in the bubble, and then the next season, they did not show up. Are we worried that there could be some fatigue after the celebrating that's my big concern as well well I mean first things first with the bubble you got to understand is that the teams who play deep into the bubble they had a shortened offseason so everybody kind of everybody who went deep into the bubble they, they really struggled the next year now when it comes to this I think people have to understand the reason why they created this in-season tournament is because they wanted to give teams something else to celebrate only one team wins the championship each year and that was the only metric for success this is another way to be successful and i think we're going to look back at this 10 15 20 years from now and this is going to be obviously the finals or the finals but this is going to be an accomplishment that everybody is going to want to go after and i think lebron james set the stage yeah it's good to see in the nba it was good to have some competition to have some stakes you love to see that also las vegas you mentioned the wnba the aces are the perennial champs the super team whatever you want to call them of the wnba so we've already seen basketball succeed on a professional level there in las vegas so there's a lot of reasons why it worked out let's talk about nikola Jokic and the nuggets uh right now nba title odds for denver is plus 400 are we worried at all about Jokic and some fatigue i mean he's had some games that are a little bit eyebrow raising but at the end of the day he still is Nikola Jokic do we still think they're the favorites in the west they are still the favorites in the west I'm not worried about the Denver Nuggets at all you have to remember it is that the NBA season it's it's a marathon it's a long long grind and when you have a team like the Denver Nuggets who's already won a championship and we knew that they would take a step back in the regular season because they lost guys like Bruce Brown they lost Jeff Green they lost Thomas Bryant this is not the same they don't have the same bench so They're reliant on their starting five. 
and they're going to play well in the postseason. So let's talk about the Eastern Conference. We got the Celtics right now at plus 370 to win the NBA championship. We got the Bucks at plus 440. Obviously, the Sixers are looming in that conversation. But just between those two teams at the top, the Bucks, the Celtics, which one are you buying the most right now going into you know a theoretical NBA Finals run? So this question is very difficult for me because when I look at the Boston Celtics, they are obviously probably the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. When you look at them top to bottom, but my problem with the Boston Celtics and we saw it in the in-season tournament is that their late game offense continues to be a problem. Jalen Brown, he can barely dribble with his left hand. Like for whatever reason during the Tatum Brown era, and it doesn't matter who's coaching. It doesn't matter who's the supporting cast. Their offense just falls off a cliff in crunch time. And that scares me. Now, when I look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they won't have the offensive issues that they've had in years past. Like I liked the Damian Lillard trade. And the reason why I liked it is because when you looked at the Mike Budenholzer and the Giannis Bucks, the last five years, they've only had a top five offense in the playoffs just once. So their offense would just completely fall apart. And I don't think it's going to fall apart this year. And I think, that game and Giannis pick and roll, once they figure it out, it's going to be scary. My problem with the Bucs is that right now, Adrian Griffin might be the worst coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a strong statement, but he's a clear significant downgrade from Mike Bootenholster. So I think both of those teams will be in the mix, but it's hard for me to pick one right now. Yeah, and can the Bucks make those coaching decisions to figure out matchups in the moment, in the heat of battle, and how much is that going to fall on the players? The fact that you, the, the, you had the Lopez twins already arguing to play and drop coverage. I mean, there's been a lot more questions and answers when it comes to the coaching strategy of the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think that's a very fair point. Both of those teams are fascinating. I think when you look at the, the top coaches in the Eastern Conference, Nick Nurse, Eric Spolstra, it bodes well for them going up against these other two teams. So there you go. Um, Raheem Palmer, where can we find all your amazing work here at the Ringer? and then we'll let you get out of here. You can find me on the Ringer Gambling Show, East Coast Bias. We got the Rostradamus Show on Tuesdays, right. and we got Ringer Wise, guys. Also, you can find me on the Philly Special Podcast. I haven't been on there this year yet, but at some point we're going to be on there talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. I love it. Appreciate you, Raheem. We'll have you back on the show soon. No doubt. Thanks for having me. There you have it for another episode of Through the Ringer. As always, we have to thank Cousin Sal. Go check out Cousin Sal's winning weekend and the Ringer Wise Guys, of course. And Raheem Palmer, who's a part of the Ringer Wise Guys and does all of uh, the Ringer gambling podcast stuff for us. He's the best. Appreciate those guys hopping on the show. If you're tuning in to Through, Through the Ringer, remember, we have Nora back on the show on Friday and another special guest. So it's going to be a fun week of Through the Ringer. We will see you on Friday. Come tune in then.